0: Thank you, Raphael. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 20. Amen. What a joy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Acts chapter number 20. We have been in a series on Wednesday night on on what we're entitling Understanding Our Statement of Faith. And so each Wednesday night, and of course some Wednesday nights are taking, uh, some subjects are taking a little bit more than just one, um, but each Wednesday night we're trying to take a different topic of our statement of faith and we're just uh, teaching on it, and that's what we're going to do tonight. And tonight, as you can see on the screen, we're going to be talking about the way of salvation. And so look at Acts chapter 20 in your Bibles, verse number 17 is where we're going to begin this evening. And uh, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. And we're just going to see how far we get tonight. We may we may get all the way through this tonight. We may not. And um, but uh, and, and really, I just have really just have t- two points tonight. Now I have some p- subpoints under those. All right, uh, but two two points. But both of those points are so important that we really shouldn't rush through them. So we'll just see how things go. And uh, I'm going to try to get you out of here at the same time as we always do. And so Acts chapter 20, and look at verse number 17. The Bible says, And from my he sent to Ephesus, and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait, of the Jews. Verse 20 and 21 is our text tonight. And then we're going to read several verses after that. But notice verses 20 and 21. Paul said, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. What is that ministry? Look what he says. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so Paul says, that's the ministry that I have received of the Lord Jesus. By the way, that's the ministry that you've received of the Lord Jesus. Now you say, no, Pastor, I'm I'm a part of the, the nursing home ministry. True. But that's your ministry, to testify. Uh, of of the salvation of the Lord. Uh, you may be in the public school ministry or the jail ministry or uh, it could be on and on, it goes. But our ministry is to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Verse 25, and now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Verses 26 and 27, I have highlighted as well He said, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And uh, thank you for standing. You may be seated tonight. And we're going to have a word of prayer. And I'm going to talk to you about the way of salvation. And again, this is, man, this is so simple and yet so vital, so important. And I, I, I really do believe what I'm getting ready to tell you. I believe that this is a doctrine that is absolutely neglected Amen. in a lot of our Baptist churches. Now, I know it's neglected in other churches, but I'm telling you, I believe it's even neglected in Baptist churches. Uh, and and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about once we get started tonight. But let's go to the Lord, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll teach for a few minutes tonight. Father, we uh, are grateful to be here. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And, Lord, we want to go ahead and thank you in advance for your so great salvation. What a joy to be saved. What a joy to know the Lord. And we're so thankful, Lord, to be uh, a part of the family of God. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come in mighty power. And I pray that the Word of God would come alive in our hearts and our minds. And, Spirit of God, that I would only say that, that you won't say it, and that I would leave out anything that you don't want said tonight But then, Lord, it's very possible there could be something that I had not planned on saying, and you want that said. Well, I pray that I will, uh, I pray that I'll do that. And so, Holy Spirit, help us and teach us, and I pray that we'll leave here tonight. Uh, Lord, better servants than we were when we entered a little earlier. So bless thy word now, please, Father. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, amen. And so if you were to go to our website tonight and look up what we believe at Calvary Baptist Church, you would see, of course, all the topics that we've already addressed, but you would also see there's something that's entitled The Way of Salvation. And this is what it would say, and I won't give you all the references, but this is what it would say if you were to look at our statement of faith. We believe that the clear message of salvation is repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 20, 21. We believe that salvation is by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. We believe that Jesus Christ died for every man. And that each individual chooses to accept or reject the grace of God. And then there are a number of references beside that. We believe that men are justified by faith alone and are accounted righteous before God only through the merit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, there are a number of references after that statement. We believe that all the redeemed, once saved, are kept by God's power and are thus secure in Christ forever. We believe that eternal life is the present possession of every believer and then there are a long list of references that come after that statement that I just read to you tonight. So I want to I want to give you just basically two major statements tonight and then we'll talk about those statements tonight. Number one is this, the way of salvation includes repentance toward God. The way of salvation includes repentance Toward God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you know this, and some of you probably don't. But a number of years ago, fundamentalism went through a, a w- w- fundamentalism went through what I'm going to call a dangerous a dangerous trend. Uh, and by that I mean this: that there were, there was one group of Christians that belittled the importance of repentance, uh, almost to the point of saying that repentance is not even a necessity a necessity for salvation. Then on the other other side of that coin, there was another group who, uh, if I could put it like this, were almost overemphasizing the importance of repentance. Uh, we had one company that we use sometimes for tracks and things like that, uh, and uh, we had uh, given a track we wanted them to print, and they came back and said, "We won't even print your track if you don't physically include the word repentance in the wording of your track. We won't even we won't print your track for you." Um, Some were saying that if you preached repentance, that you were peddling a lordship salvation, Uh, almost a works salvation. If you preached repentance, that you were preaching a works salvation, Uh, trying to say that Jesus has to be Lord in order to be saved. And I'm going to be honest with you, church, some of that's just semantics, but... Uh, and, and, you know, don't, don't don't fall out with me here, but I'm going to be honest with you. If someone is genuinely born again, Jesus is going to be the Lord in their life. Uh, he is. I'm not saying by that, I'm not saying that you're going to be super Christian overnight. I'm not saying that at all. Um, and, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the message, but I will, would say this, that if you are genuinely born again, there's going to be a change. And that's not anti-Bible, that's Bible. That if you're genuinely born again, there's going to be a change in your life. Now, send all that to say this. I am afraid, and especially in the South. Maybe not so much where, where Brother William is pastoring or Brother Timothy, but I am really concerned about those in the South who claim to be saved. But when it really comes down to it, you know what they did? They prayed a prayer or they signed a card. And I'm not against either one of those things. I'm not against you praying a prayer and I'm not against you signing a card, but I'm just telling you this, that's not repentance. Praying a prayer or signing a card or coming to an altar, and I'm all for that. I love using the altars, but I'm just saying that that is not necessarily repentance. So what is repentance? Repentance toward God. If that's a necessity for salvation, and it is, then I think it's important we understand what it is. So, what is repentance? Well, it's the Greek word metanoia, and it literally means this a change of mind. That's what the word repentance means a change of mind. Now, you say, Preacher, where does repentance come from? And this is the answer to that question true repentance comes from true conviction, no. the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Brother Olof used to say, No conviction. No conversion. No conviction, no conversion. Now, somebody says, preacher, but what do you mean? When you say conviction, what do you mean by conviction? And I told you this would be very simple tonight, and it is. But what do you mean by conviction? Uh, Repentance comes from conviction. Where does conviction come from? And this is the answer to that. Conviction is when when the heavenly Father begins drawing you to his Son, and revealing to you your lost condition and that you are desperate. And I know I've been using that word a lot here lately, but I don't think we can overuse it. The Lord reveals to you you are desperate for a redeemer. And I just, you know, I I think most of the people in this room probably understand this, but a lot of folks are watching by way of live stream. And I just want us all to understand we're desperate. For a savior, we're desperate. There's not any other remedy. There's not any other way to heaven outside of Jesus. And and that's what the the Lord does. In fact, take your Bibles, if you will, tonight and turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John, and uh, look at chapter six, John chapter six, and look at verse number 44. And I want you to, listen, while I'm preaching this tonight, teaching this tonight, I want you to examine your own heart and your own experience tonight, and, uh, and we're definitely not trying to get anybody to doubt, but I do want you to let the Lord use this to examine your own experience tonight. But John 6, look what our Bible says. No man, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Except the Father which has sent me, draw him. It's the Greek word helko, and it, means, it literally means to drag off. It means to draw by inward power. Yeah. To draw by inward power. Listen now, church. This is the thing. Did you know if preacher gets them saved, they don't stay saved? If I save them, I, you know, and every once in a while, and I, you know, I understand that young Christians, baby Christians, they'll say, "Preacher, preacher, Pope, he saved me." Well, I, man, I got some news for you. If I saved you, you're desperate you still have a big knee in your life. And, and so, you know what, it, it, it can't be, it can't be the preacher that draws you. It can't be necessarily a video that draws you. Now, it can't be a song that draws you. Now, the Lord may use those things, but I'm just saying that if the Father, if the Father draws you, it literally means that he's gonna draw you by inward power. Don't don't turn them, but just listen to First Thessalonians one verse five. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. Right. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. John 16, eight says it like this. And when he, the Holy Spirit, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. Now, Calvary, listen to me. True repentance always precedes genuine salvation. Now that's a foreign, that's a foreign doctrine in a lot of churches. There's some preachers would fall out with me already. Because what I'm preaching, and I'm telling you, I'm not preaching heresy. I'm preaching the word of God tonight. You know, it's either right or it's wrong. And it's either in the book or it's not in the book. But I'm telling you, what I'm preaching tonight is in the book. And so true repentance always precedes genuine salvation. I'm just gonna give you a bunch of references. You can write these down. Mark 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Write down Acts chapter three, verse number 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Write down Matthew nine and verse 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Write down 2 Peter chapter three and verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us for not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-double-L, but that all should come to repentance. And so repentance is, is necessary for genuine salvation. Now, you say, oh, okay, pastor. Uh, okay, I think I've got this conviction thing down. So conviction is when the Father draws us to the son and shows us our desperate need of a savior. But what about this thing of repentance? Well, let me tell you what repentance is not. Number one, repentance is not consecration. Now hear me out. Repentance does not mean turning over a new leaf. You see, if turning over a new leaf was, was a necessity for your salvation, One of these days, when you get to heaven, you might say, man, the reason I'm here is because I turned over a new leaf. I mean, I really changed my life, and that's why I'm in heaven right now, because I really changed my life. Folks, listen, you can change your life up one side and down the other, but you're not gonna go to heaven because you changed your life. And so repentance is not consecration. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and verse 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. Repentance is not consecration. I'll tell you something else. Repentance is not contrition. Amen. Repentance doesn't mean that you, that you feel real sorry for your sins. Now think about it. If it did mean contrition, then I can guarantee you, if, if, if repentance equals contrition, then I can guarantee you Satan's coming your way. And this is what he's going to tell you. You weren't sorry enough for your sins. When you supposedly got saved, you weren't sorry enough. You weren't really contrite. I mean, you didn't really have a spirit of contrition, a heart of contrition. I mean, you really weren't sorry enough for your sins. And because of that, you're not saved. And we'd never have assurance. But you see, repentance is not contrition. And by the way, there's no precedent in Scripture that teaches contrary to that. But I want to show you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke 18. Luke 18 and verse 13. I'm trying to tell you what repentance is not. Repentance is not consecration, and repentance is not contrition. Repentance is not, you know what, I felt so sorry for my sinfulness, and that's why the Lord saved me. That's That's not repentance. Look, if you will, at Luke 18 and verse 13. This is the story of the publican. Y'all remember that? The Bible says a publican and a Pharisee went down to the, the house of the Lord. And remember the story? The Bible says the Pharisee, oh, he was all caught up with himself. And he said, Lord, I fast and I tithe and I, I do all these great things. And I'm such a good Christian. And the Bible says that in that same house of God, there was a publican. That word publican just means tax collectors. He was a hated man. The Jews felt like he was uh, the Jews felt like he was working for Rome and because of that they felt like he was a traitor. And they hated him. And most often they were and some and, and a lot of times they were dishonest and they were taking money off the top and they were taking more tax than Rome required and because of that a lot of times the publicans were rich. And they hated publicans. And here's this publican. And he's in the in the house of the Lord. Look at Luke 18 verse 13. And the publican Standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me. A sinner. By the way, of the two that were in the house of the Lord, guess who went home justified? The publican did. Not the Pharisee. But I do want you to understand something. Although the publican was contrite, that's not why he got saved. That's not repentance. So let me show you the the flip side of that. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Acts chapter 8. So the publican was, man, he was full of contrition. He was so sorry for his lifestyle, he was so sorry for his sin. But that's not what saved him. Well, let's look at another individual in Acts chapter 8 and look at verse number 36. And this is the story, of course, of the Ethiopian eunuch. And he comes to Jerusalem on Passover and he gets a copy of the book of Isaiah and he's reading a copy of the book of Isaiah and the, and the Holy Spirit of God is doing a work in his heart and the Bible says he, he sends Philip down to meet with this Ethiopian eunuch and Philip begins to preach to him the gospel and, and, uh, and boy, the Ethiopian eunuch is gloriously saved. But let's look at the story though, Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Acts, Acts 8 and verse 36, the Bible says, and as they, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, this is after Philip has preached the gospel. The Bible says they came into a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Now, I hate to tell you all this, but if you've got an NIV tonight, you're not able to read that with me because they took that whole verse out. But let's look at it, though, verse Verse 37. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, look at this. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. Now, what's the implication? The implication is this, that both those men were gloriously born again. Both those men were saved. One was incredibly contrite. One was so sorry for his sins and he and he smote upon his breast and he said, Lord, I can't even look up to heaven. I'm so lost. But we don't find that with Ethiopian eunuch. And yet, both men were saved. And so I'm just saying this that repentance is not contrition. You say, preacher, what is repentance? Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of mind. Repentance is realizing that your way is not going to work. If you keep going the direction you're going, listen, your unbelief is not going to get you to heaven. Your good works are not going to get you to heaven. Repentance, therefore, is a changing of the mind. It's coming to that point where God begins to draw you to His Son and you realize, you know what? I'm desperate. I mean, I might be a charter member, but I'm desperate. I mean, I might be the the, the best Baptist at Calvary Baptist Church, but I'm desperate. And you come to that point where you have a change of mind. Listen, repentance is not you continuing to go your way, and I'll just, what I'll do is I'll just go ahead, I'll take Jesus with me. That's not repentance. And by the way, that's what a lot of folks are doing. They, they They are going their direction. And along the line, somebody comes to them and says, you know what, you need to pray the sinner's prayer. And they've never stopped going their direction. They're going their direction. And they say, uh, Lord Jesus, save me. But you know what? They never change directions. They never change their mind. They're going in the same direction. And they're still believing in that works. And they're still believing in their church membership. And they're still believing in their baptism. And they're still believing in all these things. And oh yeah, by the way, I believe in Jesus too. My friend, that doesn't work. Amen. That's not genuine Repentance. Repentance is coming to that place where you realize the water's not going to get me there. And my charter membership's not going to get me there. And being a good dad or being a good mom or being a good teenager or whatever the case may be, that's not going to get me there. I'm desperate. i got to have a Savior. Friend, that is repentance. And I, would just, I would just ask you tonight, have you ever come to that place? You ever come to that place where you just realize, you know what? I can't do this. I am not going to be in heaven because I signed a card or I prayed a prayer or I did anything else. I came to that place where I realized I'm going to have to have a change of mind. Now, let me show you another great example, and the Bible's full of them. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, and look at verse number 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. And this is the story of of what we call the rich young ruler. And I want you to understand something. The rich young ruler, as far as we know, died lost and went to hell. And somebody says, Yeah, preacher, you're right. He died and went to hell because he was rich. That's not why he died lost. He died lost because of this subject we're talking about right now. He wasn't willing to repent. Look at Luke, I'm I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Verse 17, and he, Jesus, and he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now, let me explain that question. The Lord says, why are you calling me good? Are you calling me good because you genuinely believe that I am the Messiah? Is that why you're calling me good? Uh, And so the Lord's trying to get to the root of the issue here. He says, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness." Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. Look at verse 20. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Lord, I am a good person. I've done it all. That's what he's saying. Verse 21. Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect. Hey, you want my righteousness? You want to be perfect like me? If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away, how did he go away? Sorrowful, for he had great possession. So here was a man that died, as far as we know, died lost. You know why he died lost, church? He wasn't willing to change his mind. He wasn't willing to repent. And so repentance is a change of mind. It's come to that place where you say, you know what, I can't save myself. And the preacher can't save me and my mom can't save me. And I understand that I'm desperate. I've got to have a savior. And so, number one, the way of salvation includes repentance toward God. But I think we can do this quickly, quickly. Number two, the way of salvation includes faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We read that tonight in Acts chapter 20. The way of salvation includes faith Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter two and look at verse number eight. I quoted this just a moment ago, but let's let our eyes fall on it tonight. Ephesians chapter two and verse number eight. The way of salvation includes repentance toward God. The way of salvation includes faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Both are necessities. Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight. For by grace, and by the way, that that word grace, you know what that means? That, that's unmerited favor. Somebody said you could put it in the form of an acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. In other words, when you get to heaven one of these days, you won't be able to say, let me tell you how I got here. I got here but 99% because of Jesus, and boy, that 1%, I'm telling you, man, I was great. If it's not 100% Jesus, you're not going to make it. It's all by grace. Paul said it's either all by grace or it's not, it's all by works. For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we are saved through faith. And that word faith there just means this, the predominant idea of trust or confidence, whether in God or in Christ. So we receive salvation by grace, by grace. We We don't earn it, we don't merit it, We get it because of grace, but we get that grace by placing our trust or our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wrote this down. Faith is the tunnel that leads to salvation by grace. Listen to this. Just knowing that Jesus came does not save a person. A lot of people know that. Just knowing about salvation does not save a person. Hearing a message on salvation does not save a person. But when you receive that salvation through the mechanism of faith, and faith, confidence, trust, I I, I can say about this chair, I trust that chair to hold me. I I have faith that that chair will hold me. But I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not exhibiting faith. I'm talking it good. Verbally, I'm speaking it, but how many know I'm not making that step of faith? I believe that chair will hold me. I really do. I believe it's a stout chair. I believe it's constructed well. It's held up the last three years. That's a good looking chair. I believe it'll hold me, but that's not faith. Faith is when I say, you know what? I believe that chair will hold me and I sit. And that's exactly how you get salvation. Salvation is not by saying, you know what? I believe Jesus could save me or I heard a message on salvation or I I, I read a track on salvation. Listen, salvation is when you come to that place where you realize I'm desperate for a savior. I cannot save myself. And Lord, I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Three things about faith. Number one, faith is personal. Faith is personal. Another person's faith can't save you. Some of you have great, godly grandparents, and I'm thrilled about that. But your grandpa's faith can't save you. Amen. And some of you have loved ones who are in ministry. And some of you say, a, a, a "Preacher, uh, my grandpa was a, a faithful preacher for 40 years. He was a faithful preacher. Praise the Lord." But your your grandpa's faith can't save you. You see, faith is personal. Can I show you that to you real quickly? Turn over to Acts chapter 16 in your Bibles, Acts 16. And look at verse number 30. Faith is personal, Acts chapter 16. Now this is the story of the, of the uh, Philippian jailer. Remember when Paul and Silas got thrown into jail and the Bible says at midnight they sang, they praised and sang praises and, and prayed and the Bible says the prisoners heard them. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake and man, I mean, you talk about an earthquake. Man, that's an earthquake. It's an earthquake, but it shakes the chains off off your hands. I mean, that's an earthquake. The door comes open. The Bible says the jailer uh, got a light and sprang. The Bible says he sprang in, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Look what it says, Acts 16, verse number 33. I'm sorry, verse 30, verse 30. The Bible says, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And so they said, you know what? If you'll believe, God will save you. And he'll save your house too. But I want you to understand something. That flipping jailer's house didn't get saved just because daddy got saved. Right. In fact, look what it says. Look at the very next verse. The Bible says, and they, Paul and Silas, and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straight way. You know why his family got saved? Because they heard the gospel and they responded in faith to the gospel. And so faith is personal. Number two, faith is powerful. Faith is powerful. Somebody says, preacher, how much faith do I need to get saved? And I just recently, I recently dealt with somebody and I can't remember exactly who it was, but just recently I... I dealt with somebody and I, and, I, I, and I told them this. I said, you know, that was an area, that was an area where the, the, the devil bothered me after I got saved. Now, I believe I legitimately, genuinely was born again. but But Satan knows what to say. And the devil came to me and he said, you're not saved. You are not saved, you're going to hell. And he tried to mess with my assurance and And I I said, no, I'm saved. My pastor went through the gospel with me and I prayed and received Jesus as my Savior. And he said, yeah, I know you did all that, but you didn't have enough faith. You had some doubt. You didn't have enough faith. And because you didn't have enough faith, you're not born again. And so the question is this, how much faith does it take to be born again? I'm glad you didn't come for a bunch of deep stuff tonight because you're not going to get it. You know what the answer to that question is? How much faith does it take to get saved? Here's the answer. Enough faith to call. Enough faith to call. All right, let's look in our Bibles. We're almost done. Look at Romans chapter 10. And look at verse 13. The Bible says in Romans 10, verse number 13. 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Does it say you might be saved? Does it say there's a chance you'll be saved? Does it say you'll be saved if God's in a good mood? It's not what it says. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then the Bible sort of explains that. If you back up a couple of verses and look at Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so the devil came and he bothered me about that. And he said, you didn't have enough faith. You're lost, you're lost, you're lost. You're going to hell. You're not, you're not saved. And, and I mean, for weeks, Satan bothered me about that. And finally, thank the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me this right here. And I said, you know what? I don't know how much faith I had, but I do know this. I had enough faith to call. Yeah. I realized I was lost. I was under conviction. And I went to the Lord and I called and my Bible says if I have enough faith to call, then my God will save. Now, I'd rather believe what God says than what some preacher says. Amen. And so if you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, you know, I don't know if I had 100% faith. Did you have enough faith to call? Man, you were under conviction, and, the, and God was drawing you, and, and you realized you're desperate for a Savior, and, and you called on him, and uh, you called on him. And the Bible says, if you do that, you'll be saved. Now, let me show you one last place, I think, and we're going to be done. But I want you to turn over to Luke 23. Luke chapter 23. Faith is powerful. And in Luke chapter 23, we see both of these points that I'm teaching tonight. We see repentance toward God, and we see faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the story of the the thief on the cross, And I want you to look, if you will, Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39, and we're about to be done, so hang in there with me. Luke 23, verse 39. And one of the malefactors, that's just one of the criminals, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us, verse 40, but the other, the other malefactor, the other criminal. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not, dost, dost not thou fear God? Seeing that, uh, that thou art in the same condemnation. Look at verse 41, and here, here's repentance. Verse 41, and he said, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, you know what that thief was saying? I deserve to be here. Right. This man... In the middle is innocent. But I'm guilty. Man, oh man. They may not be good preaching, but I'm telling you what man, that's worth shouting about right there. Amen. You know when you get saved and when you finally come to the place where you say, I'm guilty. You know a lot of church members are filling our churches today and they are lost as a goose. Lost. And they've got a scope-filled Bible, and they know how to tie their tie, and they know how to put a suit coat on. And some of them are singing in choirs and some of them are singing in special groups, and they are lost. You know why? They never came to that place where they said, I'm guilty. And I'm desperate. I'm desperate for a savior. And so we see repentance here. Look what he says. Verse 41, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Oh, look at verse 42, Calvary. And he, and he, what's the word? And he what? And he said, here he's getting ready to exhibit faith. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, truly, verily, I say unto you, unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Hey, can I remind you of something? That thief never had the opportunity to come down and get baptized. And he never had the opportunity to come down and join a Sunday school class. And he never had the opportunity to come down and join the church. But you know what he did? He realized, I'm guilty and I'm desperate. I'm desperate, and this is the man right here that can do something about that. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> come on. Now. I don't know if anybody else is getting this tonight, man. I'm getting, it, I'm getting it full steam tonight, I'm telling you. And he said, Lord. And right then, brother, I'm telling you what, a new name was written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the Lord said today. Shalt thou be with me in paradise. And so faith is personal. Faith is powerful. Let's end this thing up tonight. Faith is proven. Faith is proven. Now somebody asked this in Q&A last uh, Wednesday night, but it's worth just hitting this and we're going to be done. Faith is proven. What do you mean, preacher? Well, why don't we just turn over there real quick. Uh, Turn over to James, James chapter 2, because that's where the question came from last week. James 2, verse 18 It's 8.32. Man, we did good tonight. We got a lot in, a little bit of time. James chapter 2, verse number 18. James says, "Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, again, church, I want you to understand something. James is absolutely not teaching there that we are saved by works and that's why it's important that we rightly divide the scriptures he is not saying that at all but James is saying this how are people going to know that you're saved how are they going to know that you've been converted how are they going to know that you've been redeemed if they're not some works you, you, listen you know what, these, these supposed Christians who never darken the door of a church, who don't live like Christians, who don't talk like Christians, and, uh, and don't act like Christians, and then they tell their co-workers, I'm a Christian. You know what they're doing to the world? They are confusing this world. And James is saying this, listen, if you're gonna say, if you're gonna say that you're a Christian, you better back it up with something. Put your money where your mouth is. Man, if you're gonna say, I'm saved, brother, act like it. Yes. Live like it. Have a testimony like that. And so faith is proven. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Man. How many are glad for so great salvation? Amen. Somebody said Longfellow could take a worthless sheet of paper and write a poem on it and make it worth $6,000. That's genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth millions. That's capital. Uncle Sam can take gold and he can stamp an eagle on it and make it worth dollars. That's money. A craftsman can take a material that's worth only $5 and make an article worth $50. That's skill. That's skill. An artist can take a 50 cent piece of canvas and paint a picture on it and make it worth $1,000. That's art. But God and only God can take a life that's sinful and without joy and wash it in the blood of Jesus Christ and put his Holy Spirit in it and make it a blessing to humanity. You know what that is? That's salvation. And that's worth getting excited about. Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Do you know that you know that you know that you know? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? Has there ever come a time in your life when you said, "I'm guilty, I'm guilty, and I'm desperate"? What I'm doing is not going to work. I understand that I am desperate, desperately in need. Of a redeemer, a savior. And that savior is not Pastor Pope. And that savior is not Billy Graham. And that savior is not B.R. Lakin. That savior is Jesus. Have you ever come to that place where you trusted him as your personal savior? Put your faith in him. If you're here tonight and you're depending on anything else, I'm just going to be quite honest with you tonight. Just as soon as we stand or even before, y'all to make your way to this altar and let somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. I'm going to ask a couple of our personal workers if they don't mind just to slip out very quietly and come to the altar tonight. And if you're here this evening and say, Pastor, you know, I just don't know. I'm just not sure. I mean, if I closed my eyes in death tonight, I'm just not sure that I would go to heaven. Why don't you do this tonight? Why don't you just forget about what everybody thinks and tonight walk this aisle and get it nailed down once and for all? If you're watching live stream right now, we just, we put a number on the bottom of your screen and we have some people that are waiting right beside the phone right now. They want to take your call. I hope you'll call us. Will you stand with us all over the house tonight? Father, we thank you for your blessings. And God, thank you for what you've taught us tonight. Thank you for the way of salvation. God, thank you that it's simple. It's not complicated. Lord, we just got to come to that place where we realize we're guilty. And we're not only guilty, we're desperate. And there's not anything that we can do that'll save ourselves. We are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'll save. I pray that you'll save here tonight. If not here, I pray you'll save through the live stream, maybe both. And then, Lord, I pray... For those that know that they know that they know that they're saved, I pray they'll go away from this place tonight rejoicing in a so great salvation. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed right before we go tonight. Anybody here tonight, is, and you just let preacher pray for you. You may be visiting, you may have been here for the last five years, but, but you'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there one anywhere tonight you'd let me pray for you? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I see that little hand. I'm gonna pray. Anybody else? Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Please remember me. Anybody else? I see that hand. So Father, I thank you that you're dealing with hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you might bring these to that place of understanding. And I pray, God, that when you do that, I pray that they'll they'll just fall into the arms of the Redeemer and trust him as their personal Savior. God, I pray that they'll just uh, place their faith and trust in Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for a so great salvation. And we didn't get to this part tonight, but Lord, thank you. It's not just a so great salvation, it's a secure salvation. And Father, we're glad that once we're a part of the family of God, we're forever a part of the family of God. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, thank you for letting us have church tonight. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to sing this little chorus before we go. We want to get you. Get you practiced up because Bible school's just around the corner. All right, let's sing it together. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified forever. A little bit louder. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified. Well, you sound so good. One more time. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it's wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it's wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. And all God's people said? Amen. "Amen." It is wonderful, isn't it? Man, oh man. Somebody, even the other day, I think, somebody came to me and said, Preacher, if I'd have known, if I'd have known it was this good, I'd have got in a long time ago.